is a, a Celtic hymn that has the line, you are the author and Lord of creation. You are maker of life and of living. And that's a wonderful response to those words from St. John's Gospel. As we worship Jesus as maker of life and the one who lived life to the full. Those words, in him was life, really sum up the whole of John's Gospel. They could be a summary of the whole of the scriptures. In him was life. But of course, we can ask, if it's going to be a great sermon, what does this life look like? Can you be a bit less theological, John, and be a bit more practical? In him was life. What does that mean? Well, later in the prologue here, John states that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, this Word, this uh, incarnation of God, becomes a person, flesh and blood, and lived among us, lived out that life here on this very earth where we walk. And as we read the Gospels, we see what that life looks like in its most rugged and its most subtle ways. And that's why it's so inspiring and so important to read the Gospels time and again and to reflect on them, allow that life to become seen not only with our uh, imagination but also touching how we live our lives too, to reflect and apply to my world here and now. And that's what we're seeking to do through this reading the New Testament in a year, which the first four Gospels are all, the four Gospels are all taken in these first months. Amazing to soak in the life of Christ. And if we're wanting to be those who are learning to live the life, we need to see what this life looks like in action. And of course, seeing it clearly revealed in Jesus is the most powerful thing we can do. But what might it look like for you and me? Well, about five years ago, when the vision team was meeting, we looked at this very question, and uh, we came up with some very clear descriptors of what this life might look like, this life of being a whole life disciple, a life that has Jesus at the center, and how that applies to our church, our work, and to our home life and different things, but I just want to quote from that, especially regarding our life at work and in the public sphere. Whatever sphere that might be, it might be in, uh, in music, in the arts, in sport, and isn't it lovely that the Six Nations has now started again? And it's been such a good Saturday. I hope today is equally as exciting for the English. <laughs> hackle, hackle, hackle. Anyway, for Scotland. Here they are. What does life look like in the public sphere or at work? These are people who are showing standards of professionalism, integrity, loyalty, diligence, and hard work. They are not obsessed with work, though, and they have a healthy sense of priorities. Clear that God comes first. 
They are for forces for unity, not division. They show others how to exercise the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those different things, enable others to be cultivated in the environment in which they're in. Their co-workers can talk to them without fear of judgment or gossip. And they make others feel valued, whether they are those who are over them in authority, or below them, or alongside them. They show obedience to authority, but will put kingdom values before obedience to earthly authority. Now, that is a real challenge. But where are our priorities? Where are our loyalties first if we're living the life of Jesus? And we see how he always put the priority of the kingdom before any of the authorities that he was under. What might we say, for example, of such people? Well, here are some quotes. They are the one I would seek out if I had a problem. They are somehow different from everyone else. They care about me. In the workplace, in our public sphere of life, on the sports arena, how does that square with how we live? That is an example of how it might look like in practice as we seek to live out the life of Jesus. In other words, a person who's living out that life, learning to live that life, is one who you might say smells of Jesus. You know how when you do a barbecue and you're filled with all the smoke and the smell of sausages and everything else and you can very easily, uh, people identify with where you've been because they can smell the smell. And Sean says to me, take those clothes off, absolutely stink. Well, it was interesting that St. Paul spoke about himself and his, the followers of Jesus as those who um, were carrying the aroma of Christ wherever they go. And it was because just as a person who smells of the barbecue, has been close to the barbecue, working on it, so the followers of Jesus, as they're close to him, so they smell of him. So there's something about his life in their lives. It follows, therefore, if a person is to become more fully alive as a child or a teenager, as a woman, as a man, their first calling is to be close to Jesus, to be connected to Christ. And St. John goes on to describe how anyone can experience this life and he puts it in a very simple way. In verse 10 he says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can't get better connected than that. You can't be in a closer relationship to God than be a child of God. So, let me just ask you, 
have, uh, have you got your mobile phones with you? Have you got a phone? You want to just get it out? How quickly? Wave it about. Let's have a look. Who's got their mobile phones? All duly switched off, I'm sure, so you don't interrupt the great sermon that's just being <laughs> preached. Thank you. Oh, Helen's got her time on me. Is that how long I've preached for? Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you very much. Okay, so we, most people have got mobile phones. Uh, and they're vital, they're fantastic things for in today's world. Especially if you have uh, a membership and, and you'll have shares in or are part of the Apple uh, organization. Was it uh, t- 20 billion pounds, 14 billion pounds profit in the last quarter? Record, record profits. But of course these phones are totally dependent on one thing. They have to be charged. <laughs> to be of any use at all, they have to be charged. And I just remembered, uh, I was thinking about this, a time when Sean um, was trying to text me because uh, she was being late home from work up in Gloucester before she took uh, partial retirement. That's another story. Um, I was getting more and more worried where she was because she was, you know, a quarter of an hour, half an hour, nearly an hour late on the roads coming down the M5 in the dark and the fog and everything. And uh, when she arrived, I almost, you know, not a very emotional person, but I was so relieved that I was very moved that she'd come back safely. And she said, well, darling, I texted you, I texted you. And said, no, you didn't. I didn't get anything. And I picked the phone up and saw dead. It was dead. It couldn't receive any of her messages. There was no power and I needed to charge it again, connecting it to the source of life. Now it's a very simple illustration. I'm not going to labour it. You can tell what I'm getting at. don't need to labour it at all. But we know that as John says in that passage, If in him, in Christ, was life, it follows that we can know that life as we get connected to Christ. And John tells us how. It's wonderful. It is so easy. And yet so profoundly huge a step in other ways. Verse 12. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. Receiving and believing, they're very similar actions. But they're all about a simple act of surrender, of trust. I prayed a great privilege with a small number of people over the years. And I wish I could have prayed more with more people. Uh, just uh, with them saying, Lord, I recognize that you are who you say you are, that you did die for me, that you rose again for me, and that you're with us now. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for the life that you give me. Please lead me into that life more and more. simple 
and profound as that, to make that connection with Christ. But it takes the gift that God gives, is that trust, that sense of, this is really what I want to do. I believe God is calling me to say goodbye to a, a life without God, hello to a new life that leads me deeper into what he has for me. It is trust that is at the heart of that step. And becoming a child of God gives us, of course, the deepest possible security. It gives freedom from insecurity. We heard a few weeks ago a survey that, uh, that spoke of women under 35 cited that the main reason for not having a cervical smear test was that they were ashamed of their bodies and didn't want to go for those tests. There is huge insecurity within us all and more according to the circumstances that you've experienced perhaps as children. But the amazing thing that being a child of God and entering into that relationship and, and making that relationship deeper and deeper is that that fear that comes from insecurity is overcome. And that fear can be replaced with a trusting love of God that like nothing else can dispel fear. Perfect love. St. John in one of his letters casts out, drives out all fear. It's like light coming into the darkness. And that's one of the images that you, John uses in this prologue and uses throughout his gospel. If you look at different points where Jesus describes himself as the light of the world, those who walk in this light will not walk in darkness anymore. In him was life, and that life, he says, was the light of all people, all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, comprehended it, has not quenched it, and cannot do it, because darkness has to flee when light comes in. It cannot stand anymore. Yesterday, Many at the celebration of Martin Brown's life heard how that life shone with the light of Jesus Christ. But what some of you may not have heard, because it was something that was read at the crematorium, was uh, a tribute to Martin by his, uh, one of his three sons, Daniel. And he wrote a poem because he said, I couldn't find another poem couldn't find something suitable, so I wrote it myself, you know, as one does. And he read it at the sermon, at the, at the service rather, of commendation and committal, a westerly creme. And I said, Dan, would you mind sort of letting me have that poem? Because I think it's so, so beautiful, so powerful. It speaks of the difference that God has made in your dad's life. And lo and behold, to my emails this morning, he had sent it. So I'd just like to, to read it as I draw to a close. In a moment, uh, the musicians need to come up. 
to play. This is Dan's poem. My dad could have been terrible. He could have been a brute. He could have been a monster if he took a different route. Instead, my dad was peaceful, a loving man for sure, always pleased to see you, a living, open door. My dad could have been selfish, a jealous, spiteful man. He could have been a total git if he'd had another plan. Instead, my dad was giving, encouraging and true. He wanted to see you succeed, realise the best in you. I won't say he wasn't stubborn or had no other flaws. No person is perfection. All people give you pause. I heard him yell at linesmen. I heard him curse his tools. I've seen him shake a newspaper calling politicians fools. But he had a certain something. A charm, a wit, it's true. And I will miss him dearly. as I'm sure will all of you. We will. But that line, Lord dear, <laughs> he had a certain something. Now I wonder how much Dan really knew what that was. And I pray that he and all those who do not yet know what that some certain something was and is, We'll come to see it. It was a certain something, that certain something that enabled him to sing the words that we are invited now to join with in a moment. But have that chorus, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. I've moved from darkness into light from death into life. And it is that journey that Jesus came to enable everyone to, to be on. All who will believe, trust, and receive with thankful hearts all that God has for us. The life he calls us to live in Christ and with Christ. But let's stand together.
have chosen me, love and love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. I'm not. 